Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Action Addicts Podcast. I'm your host Scott Wiley and today we're going to be talking about Day Shift. Day Shift is a film that recently released on Netflix, although at the time of recording it had really just recently released, it's been a few weeks now, uh, but the conversation that we had is still relevant, it's still very popular and people still seem to really like this one. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your guys' reactions to our conversation. We also have an interesting off-topic moment where we talk about, well, we really talk about reviewing films, watching films, the culture about films in general, and maybe how it's kind of changed as time's gone on. I think it'll be an interesting conversation when you get to it. Our guest this week is Mac the All-Star. As you'll hear me introduce, he is the other half of the Cinema Drunkies, aka the Action Drunkies. And uh, his partner in crime in that particular podcast is Rob, and Rob Antiquera has been on this show a handful of times with more appearances in the future. So it's nice to finally balance it out. I plan to do that with some of the other folks that we've had maybe one host of a show on, but not the other, or several others if there's more than one. Uh, some shows it's easier than others. For those of you who are wondering, uh, yes, I am recording this, uh, I am now married, and that is why the show has been off the air for a couple of weeks, as I said over on my Twitter, which if you're not following, you really should be. The links will be in the show description or the show notes, whatever it's called on the podcast app of your choice, but it's there. You'll be able to find it. I hope you guys have been doing well during this uh, period of quietness for the show. There are several episodes ready and roaring to go. If you're a regular listener of this show, you're kind of going to be in for a treat, in inverted commas, because yes, I've been gone, but the next few days, there's going to be a couple of episodes dropping. You've got today's, you've got Monday's, and somewhere in between there, there's going to be a bonus episode, which is going to be reviewing a new film that is about to drop. So I hope you're excited for all of that, but now I shall hand you over to Mac and me, talking about day shift hope you enjoy it and i'll see you for the outro all right ladies and gentlemen we are here we are live in the room and this episode is a long time coming i'm very excited for this one and i'm not just talking about the fact that this is jj perry's directorial debut no, I am talking about the fact that we finally have the other half of the Cinema Drunkies live, in person, and in the room. Introduce yourself, my friend, for those folks who may not be familiar with you. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, I am the other half of the Action Drunkies. Uh, Mac the All-Star. Everyone just calls me Mac. Uh, how are you doing? And thanks for having me. It has been a long time. You know what? And I'll keep it honest to your... Uh, 
constituents and your listeners, I dropped the ball. I totally forgot <laughs> that you wanted me on the show, and I am so sorry. I'm glad we're able to make it happen, though. No, it's 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 totally fine. I mean, to truth be told, I get overwhelmed sometimes with with people and trying to keep track of who's coming on. So, uh, I didn't really chase it because, like I said, I had so many. I've got so many episodes that are just waiting for me to stop uh, procrastinating and edit and them. Get done. But yeah. That I was like, I don't need to chase the people. Like, um, there's there's a couple of folks uh, of which you are one that have fallen by the wayside, shall we say? Yo, we're the wild links, you know, like Pokemon, the rare ones. You gotta come catch us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, I gotta go into the long grass again when I'm ready. But um, no, I'm 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 good, and I'm excited to have you here. I find it funny that I said the cinema drunkies and you said the action drunkies because I deliberately, uh, I deliberately changed exactly. to the cinema. <laughs> You forgot. Because oh. <laughs> I always say the action drunkies because that's the the most episodes I've listened to. Obviously, right, I've been listening right, from right. like day one. And when Rob and, hears this, he's going to be like, Ugh. But yeah, we're going to be talking about Day Shift, which is a film that recently came out on Netflix. Uh, obviously, this is going to go out as a bonus episode because it's a recent release. So might as well get it out there whilst yes. it's uh, whilst it's hot so to speak, even though it's not hot. It's been out for a few weeks now. But, you know, for this show... I mean, it's still on the Netflix's top 10. Yeah, it is. And and I'm really happy about that. You know, this is actually one of the few films that I genuinely think most of my, like, non-film buff friends saw without me having to be like, hey, have you seen this? Because I remember I posted something about it in a group chat I'm in, and uh one of my friends was like oh yeah day shift was amazing and i'm like holy shit you've seen it oh you've seen it already yeah like it's it's been out like a day <laughs> right i i watched it you know what and it's funny because between me and rob i am uh i'm obviously not nowhere near the movie buff as he is but i watched this on release day like i was like oh man i want to see this day shift what and i i thought the movie was pretty good man i thought the cast was great yeah, no, I, I did as well. I thought the cast was really good. I mean, I'll, I'll be entirely honest. I know so many people were excited to see this, and, and I was as well. But the trailer didn't really do it for me in the same way it did some people because it felt a bit directionless. And I was worried right. that um, the film would have a lot of people in it that people want to see, you know, uh do certain things and that it wouldn't actually deliver on that. But right. actually it, it did a really good job of, like you say, everybody gets their moment to shine. Even people you don't expect. Cause I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. Uh, many years ago, I was a big Snoop Dogg fan and right. him being in this film really feels like it came out of nowhere. You know, when was the last time he was in a, in a film like this, you know, it was definitely unexpected. Like, I can't, yeah, you're right. I can't remember the last time, like, I seen him in something, but it was, it was pretty nice. Like, I ain't gonna front though. By the end, I, like, you know, not jumping ahead. We're all over the place, but we'll get, I'll save that for when we get there. Okay. But, um, I had a thought that was there. Oh, supporting cast and stuff like that. You know, the trailer, I kind of like when trailers do that. So, I don't like trailers that gives me everything. And then I feel like when I watch the movie, I'm like, nah, that trailer was so like obscure that I didn't, when I started watching this movie, I didn't feel like 
I kind of knew like what was going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. as watching it and as things unfolded, especially with like Dave Franco, like I love him and he is so funny to me, but like, ah, I don't know. It was a really good movie. Got me a little tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Like, um, it, it's not a complaint that the trailer didn't show uh, me everything. I agree with you. I, I don't like that trailers basically give you all the best scenes, the plot, the twist, and then you go and watch the film and the twist is like an hour and a half in and really, really expects you to not know it. And right. you're sat there going, dude, it was in the trailer. It's literally on the poster as I came into the building. <laughs> you know, I hate that with a passion because... The marketing team clearly didn't have much faith in the film unless they showed you all of its secrets, and that drives me nuts. Right, exactly. The the worst uh, offender for that, and I'm sorry for the, if you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049, close your ears now, <laughs> but the fact that the very first trailer is the scene where Ryan Gosling meets Harrison Ford, and the fact that the poster is the two of them side by side, and then the film spends like an hour and 40 minutes. No, no, he's dead. Like, he's dead. Yeah, dead. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. and then when he's like, Oh my God, he's alive. He's alive. And it's like, yeah, we fucking know that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was plastered I everywhere. It. Right. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I will tell you, like, so in this movie, I had that moment where I'm going to probably butcher her name. Natasha Lou. Um, the Asian like nurse, yeah, yeah. I called it. The moment he bumped into her, I was like, "Oh, she's a fucking vampire." <laughs> so, like, that's it. I don't even want to fucking hear it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought that as well because her character, like, we'll 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 talk about her then because like the character Max talking about is Heather, and she just kind of shows up out of nowhere. Out of like, nowhere, she, she out of moves nowhere. in. She moves into the building. Uh, Jamie Fox's bud. Sort of semi flirts with her, helps her move into the building, but then that's it. That's that's her only scene. Mm -hmm. And then much later, he puts two and two together that she's the vampire and betrayed them because she, she told was sitting them stuff. With her windows open, talking to the black guy with the one white eye. Like, yeah. come on, like, like I would have shot him in the face right there, especially as a vampire <laughs> hunter. I would have been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna shoot you in the face right now. <laughs> But it's it's so out of left field. Like, okay, uh, I feel like she needed. I feel like she had more scenes that were cut before then. And then, as you say, she. Oh, I'm shocked. She's a vampire. But then, oh, I'm a good vampire. And it's like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I'm a what? good vampire. Hang on. I th I thought vampires couldn't be good because like that kind of that the whole film has been telling us this can't happen. And right. then she's just like, no, nah, I'm good. Nah, and look, <laughs> I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help you avoid. Uh, Seth, he's gonna be a good guy too. Yeah, it's just like so. Vampire hunger is just a case of you just can you if you you can pray the hunger you'll away. Be all right, like crazy. <laughs> but you know what? With that stuff being there, like there were some t there were some parts that like that that's what is so good about this movie. There was parts that were over the top, like yeah. over the top. That whole shit when they fought the house was so over the top but so good like i think that's why i like this movie so much because it's a lot of like over the top but it's so over the top that it's good if that makes sense 
No, I, I agree. Like the opening uh, segment scene, for the film, yeah. when Fox goes in and fights the elderly vampire woman, or supposedly elderly, obviously she's not. That's kind of a big point of the film. <laughs> that kind of clues you into what the rest of the film is going to be like. If you watch right. that opening and you're not vibing with it, then the rest of the film is not going to convince you. But if you watch that bit and you're like, oh my God, I need more of this, then you're in for a good time. Right, right. One of the things that I really, really commend the film for is all of the vampires move like weirdos. And I say that in a loving way, but they are freaks. Yeah. Because they're all pretty much uh, stunt doubled or just flat out played by contortionists, circus performers, acrobats, and they mix and match them together. To create these freakishly unhuman movements, but it's not CGI, it's not effects, that is just, just their ability to break yeah. their bodies. And I think that does such a better job of making them look like supernatural beings than any effect can. Right. I like, so along those lines, I think that falls in with like even the story. Like, we all have an idea of like, vampire stories like we all watch blade like uh the lost boys this wasn't your typical vampire if like you want to say like i say maybe a a comedic horror movie but the whole line of like uh the fangs you snatch out the fangs they're not coming back like yeah you can uh kill them kind of the typical way you would kill a vampire like i just think that um the people who put this together like they did a good job man I keep coming back to that. Like, it's hard because I just actually finished the movie so we could talk about it, you know, so I could be fresh. And I was like, damn, I put this back again. It's so good. <laughs> no, I, I, I 100% agree. I love the fact that so many people have been describing this film as like, it's a blue collar version of Blade. A comedic, maybe. Like, it's just so funny, too. Yeah, yeah. And and one of our friends, uh, Matthew Essery, he wrote a review of the film and he, he made a point of saying that like they're less like vampire slayers in the traditional sense, as in, you know, they go around, they hunt vampires, they save the day. They're more right. like uh hunters. You know, they're they're not really doing it for any other reason than this is the how pain. they get paid. <laughs> right. Yeah. They they pull the fangs out and it's like these are our trophies and in inverted commas but then they they cash those in like poker chips and then they get money right oh you got a hundred year old yeah like you know what's crazy that i was like all right so like if i if this was the world i was living in i think i would want to bag two crazy vampires so i could take uh a tooth and make like a chain like everyone else in the movie did because that's the only way to celebrate a dope ass fang and uh yeah, I would be cashing in mad money. That's all, because that is all they're doing. Like you said, like, yo, we're killing and making money. Like the brothers, Scott <laughs> Atkins and uh, Steve Harry, fucking Mike and Darren. Yeah, hilarious, yo. So hilarious. Bro, bro, you got any more gum? I, yo, a little gay. Don't cancel me. I'm just saying. But the fact that he said, I'm out of bullets, and he stabbed the guy in the head. With the magazine, uh, just so he, his brother, can uh, reload his gun again over the top. But so I wanted more of it. Yeah, I mean, okay, so 
In the middle of the film, there is arguably the best scene in the entire film. Yeah. Uh, and that is where they raid a nest of vampires yes. and they get help from the Nazarian brothers. And as Max said, it's Scott Adkins and Steve Howey. And Scott Adkins needs no introduction, especially to the listeners of this show. Obviously, he's you know brought in specifically by the director, J.J. Perry, who's worked with him on the Undisputed films and a bunch of other stuff. It was a good call. Yeah, so I'm really happy that Perry, you know, called him and was like, I get to finally make a big budget Netflix film and, you know, you're going to be in it, basically. It, yeah. it wasn't so much an offer as it was, uh, you're, so you're, you're, ready? you're in this. <laughs> <laughs> they have arguably made a massive impact to everyone who watched this film. So many people are now asking for a Nazarian Brothers spinoff. So many people are like, why didn't they come back? Listen, my wife was like, oh, my God, is that my guy from Shameless? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess, because I didn't watch Shameless. And um, that's just to show, like, you know, you can't count people out sometimes. Because she was like, wow, he got, like, in shape for this movie. Because Shameless, I guess, he was, like, tall and linky and shit. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've not seen Shameless either, so... I, I can't comment on that, but yeah, man, I know he's... <laughs> yeah, it's him. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, the fact that they choreographed and just went to town and it's so over the top, but it's so good, like you said. I mean, Scott... Nazarian spinoff will be good. Scott gets to show off all of his martial arts skills and you got Jamie Fox and Steve Howey uh, doing a lot of gun stuff, and then you've got Dave Franco just in the middle Adding of it. Adding comic screen. relief. Yeah, just like, screaming his head off. <laughs> you, you piss your pants? It, it's kind of my thing. <laughs> I, I I also really love the uh, the accents, because I remember when, it, when they first spoke, I was kind of grumpy, because obviously I think it's safe to say, despite the fact that we obviously know other roles, but the most famous Scott Adkins role is probably always going to be Boyka from the right. Undisputed films. Yeah. And the second he spoke and I heard a Eastern European accent, I was like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> are we not past the point of any time he's in anything big, he has to do the Boyka accent again. But then, you know, after he got a bit more dialogue, it's like, oh, no, that's not the Boyka accent, actually. Right. It's, it's in the same ballpark, but actually this was a lot more sort of fun and and cheerful yeah, yeah. and playful. And I was like, actually, I don't mind this now, you know? We do everything together. <laughs> it was the fact that every single line ended with, yeah, bro. You know? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like you said, that whole, ah, bro, I need another one. And then they have this massive, over-the-top choreographed sequence of how one bullet gets from one, one brother bullet. to the yeah, other. Yeah, that was the second one. And I was like, yo, so over-the-top. But I was so here for it. Meanwhile, that between them, they've killed like I don't know, fifty vampires, and then uh, poor boy Seth is in the dining room just struggling to kill one. And I just, it's it's a Yo, sort of I mean, humor. That was a good team, though. If you think about it, like if you had to go, if you were, if you needed a symbol of team, you know, you got a couple of hives because Jamie Fox took out a few by himself, quite a few. Then you got the brothers shutting down everything else. I mean, Seth, I don't know. I, f I felt bad for him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now, with where his character was at the end of the film, he mm, probably mm -hmm. would be a good 
addition to that mm-hmm. uh, group. But yeah, I mean, the Nazarian brothers were the same as Jablonski, Jamie Foxx's character, in that you know he he masquerades as a pool boy, they masquerade as uh, stereo uh, repair guys, which. <laughs> I don't know how many people still have those sort of old Stereos. school stereo surround systems, but I guess it works as a cover because no one's really going to question them. But it's these sort of low, thought of as these low level jobs that no one's going to question seeing people around. You know what? You make a valid point, sir. I I was thinking that I was like a fucking pool boy, but you make a valid point. I didn't put the other job together too. It's just low maintenance job. No one's going to look twice. What's this lowly old worker doing over here? Oh, nothing. Probably doing that work for cheap. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's that was the whole vibe I got is that they're not the low level versions because obviously, you know, they are really good at what they do, but they're not glamorous. They're not superheroes. They're not thought of as these uh, heroes that slay monsters. They're just like, really they're people that don't really have the skills to do other stuff like mm. they're still really doing the work that no one else wants to do and that's how they make money like they're, they're I mean, not realistically, getting rich you gotta off be a killer, it right like my man said you gotta be a killer you yeah can't be afraid i also found it far uh interesting in terms of world building that obviously you have the the union which is what part of the film was about uh, Bud right. getting back into the union, but I love the idea that there's like a pawn shop version of it where you can still take your uh, fangs in and you get basically nothing for it, and it just it just makes me laugh that there's that many hunters, that many um, organizations that are hunting vampires, yet vampires never had the thought to just go after the shops. Because it's like, Word. if no one's given them money, why would anyone hunt them? Right, right. You know what? And it's a stark reality of like the world we live in, right? You can go buy something from, let's say, Best Buy, something like that. Or you could go to a pawn shop and you're going to pay less. And as the person bringing it in, you're going to get less. Like, you know what I mean? He told them, yo, you want, you want union money, take it to a union shop. You know what I mean? And, like, it's always Peter. I love this guy, man. I love this actor. He, it's always him playing some uh, some shit like this. Yeah, I, I love Peter Storm, man. He's one of those actors that can play so many different roles. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I love the character he played on American Gods, where he was uh, mm. uh, a guy with a hammer, and he's absolutely terrifying. And then you see him in something like uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, and he's just playing this cowardly but despicable and menacing sheriff. Right. That, and it's like, if you saw those films separately, I reckon most people hadn't even put together that it's the same dude, you know? Right. Oh, he's such a good actor, but like I, I, I like that, like, not saying like he gets cast tight, but I like when he plays like a Russian gangster. <laughs> or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I like when he plays those roles. I find them so. I find it so funny. Yeah, well, I mean, he's in John Wick too, briefly playing exactly that role, isn't he? Yes, yes. Which uh, I was really disappointed that he hasn't come back because, like, he's just in it for like five minutes and then. Baba Yaga. He's listen. Yeah. I'm excited for those uh, the new one that's coming out. 
yeah, I mean, I, I imagine everyone is. I mean, it's got Scott Adkins in it as well, and uh, Donnie Yen, and loads of great Fuck names. Yeah, Scott Adkins. You jump into the John Wick world, yeah, boy. Who else are you? Fingers crossed. It's uh, it's not just to play a stunt guy that runs in and gets killed. No, in three nights. I, I give Scott more props than that. It better not be. <laughs> it better not be. Stop playing. Ah, uh, but uh, yeah, so. Basic premise of the film is this guy, Bud, needs to get money to stop his ex-wife from taking his daughter to another part of the country for memory. And um, the only way he can do that is to obviously kill vampires. And they don't know he's a vampire hunter. So, it, yeah, it leads to some awkward drama moments that... Is that something you will hide from your wife? I mean, I'm married, so... I don't know. I think I might tell my wife, like, yo, I hunt vampires, nigga. I think the interesting thing is, like, later in the film, obviously, it does get revealed, and he he flat out says, like, why? Wait, because she's like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, well, when we started dating, I didn't know that we were gonna, like, last and, and get married, and I can't just tell everybody, so... At what point do I go, by the way, I've been lying to you for X amount of years? Your wedding night. Your wedding night. Your wedding yeah, night. Yeah, I suppose. Your wedding night. Your, <laughs> your, your wedding night. The moment you say I do, y'all go that night when y'all laying in bed. Hey, so remember, we're together forever. Let me just tell you now. And then, boom, I'm a vampire hunter, bro. But he also did bring up a good point, which is that if he had told her that he hunts vampires, she'd have laughed at him because vampires aren't real. Now, you, so so what you do, you bring, like, a vampire head with fangs and be like, bang. <laughs> <laughs> like, you show, you bring proof. If you're going to tell her, you know what I'm saying? Or bring it to the union, because at that time, he was probably in the union. He wasn't kicked out yet. That is true. That is true. Bring your daughter to work day type shit. Bring, come on. <laughs> yes, take your daughter to uh, the middle of a vampire-infested house. I'm sure that won't end badly. <laughs> Uh, if she shoots and doesn't piss her pants, she'll be alright. Well, apparently the only person that did that is Seth, despite mm. what was said to him. I do like that he turned into a, a badass by the end. Yeah. Seth I, said they had to make him a vampire, though. Sorry to keep that. No, no, it's, it's it's cool. I mean, I, I like the fact that they, they gave him a lot more to do by the end. I also wasn't sure when I was watching the film, but it did look like it, and I've since had it confirmed in, like, stuff that's been posted but dave franco did a lot of the stuff that his character does at the end with the fight scenes the acrobats yeah, good, dope. um like he you know he put in the work to train for it obviously there are some stuff he didn't do but yeah there's a lot of times i was watching and i'm like that actually looks like him and it was so Dude, i was he, like oh. he's a young man he better be out here doing his own stuff <laughs> yeah but some films wouldn't allow him to do so i think uh i think Half of it is because obviously Jamie Foxx was doing a lot of his own stuff. And I think JJ Perry being a former stuntman, stunt coordinator, I think that probably gives you a lot more confidence to be like, you know what? I'll, I'll do some of my own stuff. Like I'm an adrenaline junkie. I mean, the guy directing me has done, done this all his life. So, you know, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Right. I don't know. I feel like he's a Franco. So like I always trip out over that. That's who his brother is. Because um, I don't really like um, his brother as acting as much as I love uh, my boy Dave. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'll be honest. I've probably seen more of his brother's stuff 
in inverted commas up until a certain point anyway. Right. Um, obviously I do like it whenever Dave Franco shows up and stuff. Cause I do think he's really good. I liked him in like, now you see me for yeah. example. And there's a few other films that I was upset in. at Netflix for killing him off quick on that, uh, Ryan Reynolds joint. Um, what was that movie? Something six. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't actually watched that. Oh my bad. Spoiler alert! Oh, it, it's it's fine. Like, uh, it's a good movie, but I wish they would have gave him more screen time. Like, I, I I felt gypped. See, I I didn't even know he was in it until you just said it. So it's right. like literally oh, okay. five minutes, bro. Like disrespect. Like <laughs> so disrespectful. But it is nice that he's kind of getting a lot of recognition for this role. Like, I feel like. I, I personally don't think Netflix was expecting this to be as popular as it has been. I think I, mean, I, I think they were expecting some popularity because it was promoted in their like big upcoming films thing that they did a while back. But right. I, I I think this is the one that they were expecting to be like, yeah, it's it's all right, but it's not going to blow anyone's mind. And then instead, people have really responded to this and been like, we want more films like this. Uh, yo, I ain't gonna front. I feel like Netflix has put out some bangers, like straight to Netflix movies. Um, like I like I love Day Shift. I think um, Me Time is one of their movies that is so funny. Believe it or not, not I like that Will Smith joint. Um, dang, what's the name of it? I can't remember it right now. But right? yeah, yeah, I did, I did. Don't don't kill me all at once, everybody. <laughs> but um i i enjoyed that um i think the man from uh toronto i don't know if that's a netflix only film but they they be putting out some bangers yeah no there's quite a few netflix films i enjoyed i really liked um spectral i think it was called where they were right. that was that one was really good um and i liked the one that they they did with uh the guy that plays falcon in the mcu or Captain America now to spoil um, people. I think I know who you're talking about. I yeah, can't remember he, it. He he's in a he's in one of the Netflix films where he was playing like a super soldier for the army, uh, which was hilarious given what he no, plays in the MCU. I think that's Amazon Prime, bro. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I like that movie. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. The, the other problem is is um you might be right, but also don't forget we're in two different countries. So oh, yeah, a lot of the I stuff is naturally the same. <laughs> I forgot about that. You probably got way more different stuff on your Netflix than I got on mine. Yeah, uh, I know this is a problem that's happened so many times where, you know, people will say, oh, this this is on Netflix. You feel free to go and watch it. And it's like, uh, no, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> that happens all the time. It drives me mad. Wow. OK, I, I forget about that. I thought we were all one world, baby. One love. Yeah, yeah. So the film I'm thinking of is called Outside the Wire. Uh, Anthony Mackie is the guy I was trying to think of the name of. And it is, for me, on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, mm. that lovely rant about Netflix films aside, which I do agree with you. I know a lot of people give Netflix films a lot of crap, and sometimes rightly so. I think some of the criticisms are valid. But I also think that Sometimes people are thinking about this stuff too hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember, like, when Netflix was only DVDs. 
And yeah. we still was rocking Blockbuster. Growing up, I used to walk to Blockbuster with Rob to rent like either video games for my console at the time or a movie or something like that. So I kind of feel like like what you just said, kind of like it does. Listen, everybody got their hands out. Every company's trying to make money. But, yo, if they're giving you movies, man, and you like movies, then just enjoy it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that it almost feels like everybody wants to be a movie critic. And I realize the irony in me saying that, given Start that we're a on podcast. a podcast. <laughs> but uh, we, I try real hard to not go full critic mode uh because that's not what i want out of the the show that's not what half the guests i have on are just people that like movies and that's why i, I try to vary the guests from people that's that awesome know... that's a good show yeah yeah like some sometimes i want someone that really knows the history of film inside and out and other times i want someone that knows nothing because the people that no film will often dislike a film that's really popular and like a film that nobody likes and that's mm. not necessarily a bad thing but sometimes i think the more you know about filmmaking the more you know about how the source is made yes the harder it is to just be someone that likes films right you know i i i don't want to throw shade at anybody but there was some people that i like who had a conversation about a specific aspect of filmmaking and they base at one point they basically said so anyone who complains about this is kind of an asshole because it's not their fault and they're they're right but 90 percent of people going to the cinema don't give a shit and I remember something that Jackie Chan said in an interview once which is that you know he was asked why do you always go 110% in every film? This was obviously before some of his recent affairs. Um, <laughs> obviously, as he's gotten older, he's kind of chilled out a bit. But this this was like his older stuff. And I remember his answer, and it kind of stuck with me, which was, if you're having a bad day, if the weather's not right, if the cameras are having problems, if you can't get the, the flip, and you've done it 127 times, and you just cannot get it right, other people would tell you to stop. And sometimes you kind of have to, and you have to change scenes. But why do I try the 128th time? The answer is simple, and that is that when the finished movie is put on the screen in hundreds of theaters, thousands across the world, if you're lucky, are you going to go to every single one and tell the audience, by the way, don't judge this bit too harshly, because this bit didn't really go right for us when we were making this. Right. No, you're not. People are just going to judge what's in front of them. And if it's not good, that's on you. And, you know, that's like kind of how I watch movies a little bit. Because, like, all right, so that's what makes uh, me and Rob the, the, the best duo. I'll say it hands down. Ain't nobody got us. Because... He is that intellect, like, you know, he is that genius, that grace, that knows, like, the intricacies that you talk about. I'm that guy that is just going to come into the movies and watch it, and I'm not going to, you know, oh, the camera angle. Oh, like, I can respect, like, nice shot things, but I also 
I'm not too harsh on like quick cuts. I know Rob hates it. And we were just talking about it not too long ago, but I don't even notice them sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I like some like movies I, I get are like, obviously if they're specific genre are uh, made towards certain viewers in mind, but nine times out of 10, especially like a Netflix film, they're making it for a general audience. So you kind of got to receive it as something being made for a general audience. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I a hundred percent think that the nature of being a critic means you are going to critique things, which means you're not going to sit there and say, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Moving on. Right. You're going to pick it apart. And that's a hundred percent acceptable. But I think going back to what kind of started this is, everybody wants to be somebody that can pick something apart now and that has unfortunately led to this weirdness where it's not cool to like something because it's popular and that's not a new phenomenon but i do think it stems from the fact that people don't want to admit that they like something like day shift even though people are liking day shift but you read reviews from some people and they'll be like oh it's another by the numbers film from netflix with as you said not not great cinematography the color grading's not great and you know it's 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 clearly uh not the highest budget and it's like no one cares <laughs> right Cle- quite clearly no one cares and don't get me wrong there are plenty of positive reviews yeah, for this course. film too but there are other films that have come out recently where the negative reviews are massive and then you like you watch it and yeah maybe those reviews were right but at the same time i still enjoyed it it's not the best film i've ever seen but it certainly wasn't the second coming of the antichrist either you know it's funny because uh so me and my lovely brother uh we go through this all the time so the karate kid with Jaden smith and uh uh mr um jackie chan who was just talking about oh yeah i don't i don't have a problem with it like, Neither it's not I. the best. I don't have a problem with it. I'll watch it if it's on. I kind of, like, it's not bad. Like, I get it. I tell Rob, like, yo, you ever going to check this out? And, and, like, he has not watched it. He will not watch it. Like, and we, I'm like, yo, but it's not bad. It's kind of good. He's like, nah, I'll take your word for it. Like, I can't do it. And it's like, I get it. Like, some people don't like certain films. I usually go into films with a little bit more of an open mind. I know I bust Rob's chops and tell him I'll never watch Nesferatu because it's a silent black and white. But, like, I will. I'm not going to front. I don't know if I'll enjoy it or not. But I do believe, like, it's a good thing when people sometimes are a little anal because those are also the people who will put out something that is, like, perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird, I don't know, the movie culture is weird, man. Like, all you real movie people, I love y'all, but I just watch whatever, man. If I can get a chuckle out of it, then I feel like my time's not wasted. I think my my attitude has always been people like what they like. And I know that, you know, a lot of people have responded to this show because it's it tends, that doesn't mean it's not capable of being negative, but it tends to stay positive and most of the people on tend to be speaking positive 
I'm with you on that. Positive. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, as as people who listen to certain episodes will know, I can be that person and pick a, uh, pick it apart with a scalpel. But I've also said that nine times out of ten, if you're doing that, it's because you're not really enjoying it. And and if you enjoy something, you're more likely to forgive its shortcomings. But if you're not really into it, if the film's not grabbed you, you're going to notice all the stuff that you won't notice if you're into it. Like you said, with the quick cuts, there are plenty yeah. of films I enjoy that have quick cuts and they're not great, but I like the film so much that aside from, you know, when I rewatch it, maybe it, it, it jars me for a minute. But after that, I can just shut it off and be like, yeah, it's it's just a part of the film. And it was made 15 years ago. So it was the style at the time. I can live with it. But that doesn't stop me from enjoying the film. Whereas, as you said, some people, that's all they can see. It's like, ah, it's it's just it's just quick cuts. It's like, yeah, I know it is, but it's still a good film. Right. No, I mean, listen, I know I'm talking hot trash and we're off topic a little bit. But, like, all right, me and Rob got to, we talk hella shit on, like, RoboCop 3. Like, <laughs> we, I, I think I think we did an episode where we, we're not going to do RoboCop 3. I think we talked RoboCop 2. And yeah. on that episode, it was just a little insert about RoboCop 3. Yeah, and I remember. We will, we will not talk about it. But if we did, that would be a whole show of, like, just disgust of negative of like like some Ghostbusters slime proportion. That's why we don't do it because people do like what they like. I'm pretty sure there are people out there that think RoboCop 3 is the shit and I'm sorry for you, but I don't, but that's all right. You know? So, so fun fact about that example. Uh, I know objectively that RoboCop 3 is not a good RoboCop film. In fact, I'd go so far as to say I prefer the direct to video DVD <laughs> follow ups that they made in the 2000s to Robocop 3. Uh, I'll wait uh, you on that. However, as a kid, Robocop 3 was the only Robocop I was allowed to watch. So I had nothing to compare it you to. You never saw the first one at nope. that time? Nope. Wasn't uh, why? Wasn't... Who just gave you three? Like, here, you'll like this. I wasn't allowed to watch the first one because of the. Re- the graphic oh content. the graphic okay so two no nope. two is a little graphic too i mean don't don't get me wrong i don't think two is anywhere near as bad i think two was more of a case of we didn't have two but they had okay, okay. But, 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 but we had oh three. man the first one was good man i'm glad you finally watched it when oh you yeah finally i finally watched I, it i bet you loved it i did and um i watched it on vhs like it wasn't yeah, that long afterwards it relatively it felt like it as a kid but it, in reality it was only a few years but, oh, bad. but um yeah so growing up i only had robocop 3 so robots, Damn, i feel sorry for you ro- robot samurai uh, a good version of ed 209 and robocop in a jetpack uh yeah all that's good shit to me <laughs> ah, striking uh i got you but it's a good but it it does go to show, like, sometimes the influences you have growing up is how you define whether right. or not something is good or bad. And I've had this conversation with Mike several times uh, on the show and off the show, which is like, sometimes people will recommend films to me and television shows to me, and they'll say, oh, just as a heads up, it is a bit low budget. And don't get me wrong, sometimes... It is, and I'm like, nah, I I can't do this, um, because they're they're reaching too far for the resources that they have. However, 
I also grew up in Power Rangers. You ain't going to send me anything that's more low budget than that. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's like, it's as broad as it's long as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, vampire <laughs> hunting. I like their little, um, since we're back on it, we're going to um, talk about things I like. I love their different species. Southerners, juveniles, um, Ubers. Like, what? Like, I dug the writing teams. Whoever wrote this and, like, was like, this was a story. Like, I love all the new shit they brought up about vampires. Yeah, I, I did as well. Like, I saw someone complain about that, actually, that, like, the conversation between uh, Seth and Bud talking about vampires and how the world works was, like, quite clearly needless exposition. And I'm like, well, it wasn't needless, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, what's needless? Because, and I'm not trying to knock on anyone who likes this franchise of stuff, but plenty of people love Twilight. Yeah. I, I do not consider that to be a, a vampire movie. Plenty of people do. And shout out to my sister Candy, because she does. And, like, but I get it. You know what I mean? So if those can be vampire movies, like, I feel like this was done better. Like, if you're going to make up a new type of, like, vampire lore, I think what they put out in front of us for Day Shift was, like, way better. Yeah, no, I agree. I also find it funny that they had a whole sequence just referencing Twilight films. Right, right. <laughs> yes, that's what makes it, that's what makes it good. It's so over the top, but it's so good. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, um, I think Spider was the other type of vampire. Um, yeah, that's a little weird, but yes. And uh, I, I love that as well because it it gave them so many avenues to a if they do more films. They can right. have different types of vampires to fight against uh, and have like crazy powers and stuff. But also, you know, in the film, if you, you know, they had like uber vamps and the uh, the main villain, Carla Souza, she was an uber vamp. And so that meant that Seth was an uber vamp, I think, uh, by proxy. But like they never really went into what the differences are in terms of like their powers. But I right. love the fact that she was like, almost magical in the fact that she had like super speed and this ridiculous level of strength and then the regular vampires basically could get killed by regular people but these uber ones um even though they would still you gotta shoot them in the heart yeah first with the wood before you chop their head off i was paying attention i i, I you never know you never know exactly and uh, I, I like that, like, you know, there's there's more to them than just staking them through the heart, whether the stake is wooden or silver, depends on what other and media yo, you I watch. And no, I even like, yo, because like, I've always said that, like, come on, we're we're old enough here, like, we, we've been dealing with, like, vampire stuff, TV shows, movies, comics, all that stuff for a while. Like, why hasn't anyone made a lotion? Just put on some sunscreen, bro. Like, what? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. What? I love that. I love that shit. I was like, yes. And even the part to the show you to the fact to the audience that she tortured homie in the uh, cement bottom of the building while just standing there with an umbrella. So like, you have a dark umbrella, you're good. And the moment she moved, and it's like it's probably not going to kill him. They're going to bury him. And she was right. She could dig him up in a hundred years, and he could see what's popping. Yeah. No, I love that. I love the fact that like, um. You know, that, how, how do you like, uh, properly make a vampire afraid? Well, death isn't really going to make them afraid because they've all lived for so many years. But the idea of being trapped 
uh, they will not naturally die. They will have to endure all those years of solitude. It's like, yeah. that's how you scare the shit out and of them. Yeah, like, that's how, yeah, yeah, yeah. You leave him with himself forever. Yeah. And, and the fact that she obviously does die in the film means that no one will ever it's unbury coming back him. For him. Yep. No one is coming back. <laughs> oh, I would be, I would hate to be left with myself for hundreds of years. Can't move or nothing? Oh, no, man. It's funny, too, because if they wanted to, they could make that guy like a, a future antagonist. Like, oh, him... he, he breaks out? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was like cause... an earthquake or something? Okay. Because cause they, I think, if I remember correctly, she was, like, re- saying to him, like, your time as the big dog is over sort of thing. So, clearly, he used to be someone. So, yeah, they they, they kind of baked that into a possible future scenario right there. Right. But no, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this film. Like Max said, it was so over the top. And the funny thing is, is, is even though the house is 100% the most, sorry, the best scene for, for me, for action, but it's not the most over the top scene. The most over the top scene is at the end of the film. Everybody goes and attacks the vamps and you've got Bud, Seth, and uh, Heather randomly now joins them, and apparently she's skilled with a samurai sword, which That's again, it. much That's like much like the rest of her character, just kind of comes out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. But she gets to use like her super vampire abilities to do like video game esque slashes through the enemies, and like felt like I was watching an anime at that point, which is fun. A little bit, yeah. But then the the over the top bit arrives when uh, Snoop Dogg's character, Big John comes smashing through in his gigantic pickup truck and his weapon of choice is a goddamn minigun out of Predator and right. he just obliterates everything and I just thought, yeah, you 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 can't just not laugh along with the film, can you? No, the, and that's what it's like, like yo, oh, it's so genius because um, they give you, all right, so if you wanted to go to an action movie, they gave you that. Like, there was fight scenes, there was shoot them up bang bangs, uh, reloads, all that good stuff. If you wanted, like, maybe a movie that was funny, had some action, you know what I mean? Even had, like, a little, little romance story, you know what I'm saying? Something to tug at your heart is right there. You know what I mean? They just put every. it's like they threw everything at the wall. Not to see what would stick, because it's all going to stick. And uh, they made it, they put it together very nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, that, that whole end sequence was just over the I got, top. I, I felt like it was a little much Snoop coming out at the end, but I, I get it. Well, I would I would have preferred for them to just let him die. Yeah, yeah, oh, you mean after he, like, sacrificed himself, and then yeah, it turned yeah, out yeah, somehow yeah. he survived. Yeah, like, they could have just, the, sorry, Snoop. You chose to self-sacrifice. It's very noble. Stand with that nobility. Yeah, I agree. And um, and I, another part that I both loved and hated at the same time, and I and I've I've eventually decided that I love it more than I hated it was uh, when Snoop's minigun runs out of ammo and the vampires come at him. All of a sudden, he turns into Wesley Snipes and becomes a martial arts master and starts beating them with their own heads. Yeah. And, what that, that that's fine, but what made me laugh is Jamie Fox then turns into his hype man and he's just standing there watching instead of helping, going, "Oh man, oh they didn't know, they didn't know," and I was dying with laughter. Like, what are you? 
doing? <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of hype, hype Snoop up, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yo, it's so much. They give you so much. I how much was the budget on that? Oh, okay. I I would love to tell you, but I can't actually see it listed. No, uh, womp womp. So then, how much do you think that pro- that movie cost? I don't think it cost that much. Is Me the neither. short answer. Um, I think it. it I think it. Uh, the thing is, is because of who oh, directed budget right it, here, hundred million dollars. <laughs> All right, according to uh, where are we at Wikipedia, so that could be wrong. A hundred million. A hundred mil. I mean. Maybe I mean I, now that you've said it, I think I do remember some other people saying that. So maybe yeah, maybe that. I would is think right. that was so because I mean there were a lot of like you know probably CGI stuff, but I think the actors probably got a good chunk of that too. Yeah, because they yeah. got some good names. They got some good names. That's what I was just gonna say. Like you know, a hundred million of that definitely spread about is probably going to to not equivalent to what you're seeing on screen like you say right you've got so many actors and you've got all these contortionists and special effects i mean snoop dogg jamie fox dave franco scott adkins and steve howie those those names alone are probably gonna take a chunk of that you know yeah yeah for sure for sure um plus you know and then peter stormont yeah yeah he'll get some money Plus, you got all the sets as well, like the Vampire Union, and there's a lot of indoor destruction. So I suppose, yeah, yeah, no. In retrospect, it probably does cost more than I was thinking because I was when when you asked the question, I was just thinking of like most of the out outside shots and and the big right. scene in the house, and I was thinking, well, that that probably isn't too bad. But actually, there's dozens of stunt guys. There's dozens of people involved in making all of that so actually yeah no in retrospect it it it, it, it is a fairly big film i mean and that's could, netflix that's netflix like yeah okay we got a hundred million to drop on a movie yeah yeah i mean I, I i'll be honest i'm probably gonna say something that people will hate i genuinely think that you could have made this movie for less um you think? i don't I, I think that it could have been done because, you know, you, you, you see, well, Scott Adkins is the prime example. You, you look at some of Scott Adkins's films, the, where he's only had five million, for example, and right. you could put that on after this. And with the exception of the vampire effects, I don't think many people would be able to tell the difference budget wise, you know? Yeah, you might be right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying any. You couldn't just you guys could you couldn't put on I don't know Savage Dog for example and be like this is the same budget because yeah not every film but there are some where it's like I I think some people would struggle to tell the difference. I mean you know you know what I I'll give you that 100. percent You're probably right because I'm pretty sure um there are things cinematography wise that I probably don't notice that you, Rob, and other people might notice and be like, hmm, they probably could have did that or that was probably the budget for like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because I think the money they had clearly was put to good use. You know, every it, there isn't anything bad in the film, in my opinion. It's not like there's an area where you could be like, oh, this could have been better. I think that everything went as good as it could have. The only thing... <laughs> that I know for a fact couldn't be done 
uh, either for budget or time. Uh, I don't think a, a specific answer was said. Was Scott Adkins himself said that originally the Nazarian brothers were supposed to come back and be involved at the end, at the end Ooh, scene. Ooh, that would have been fat. And I, I genuinely thought that's what was going to happen as well, because I was like, they just kind of leave with no real closure. Bye-bye. I was a hundred percent expecting them to be the backup at the end, as opposed to Snoop Dogg, who I also thought would show up, but I thought it would be. I mean, I could have did without the Snoop if you gave me the brothers. Yeah, well, to be fair, I could as well. But the way they built him up in like the first half of this film as someone who used and they to could be have this big badass, off, though. They're like, all right, so I feel they could have segued off and maybe clipped over to him smashing one of those ladies that's like, call me Snoop. You know what I mean? That's why he can't show up. Like he didn't answer his phone or something. <laughs> that that could have worked too. I'm sure he wouldn't have minded. And then the brothers swoop in. Yeah, what's up, bro? But for better or for worse, they weren't in it, and I still think it works because we got to. The problem is, if they had showed up, it would have meant that Seth and Heather might have like not been as as special. Yeah, that's true too. Um, don't get me wrong though, there were plenty of vampires to go around. I mean, they basically had to take on the other Uber vamp, that guy in a suit, that creepy ass guy in a suit. I wouldn't mind a, a second movie to this because I want to see some more of like, you know, Heather and uh, Seth out here vampiring it up. Are they killing for good type stuff or do they turn back? Exactly. Yeah, we'll we love more of the brothers. Exactly. I 100% want to see more because there, there's so many places they could go with it. They have left themselves so much room. You've got. And isn't that a staple of a good movie? Yeah. And, and the other thing that for me, uh, well, maybe not entirely true, but it didn't feel like they were setting up a universe. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like I was watching a launching platform. No. For, for 10 more movies. Yes, it's blatantly obvious that the Nazarian brothers are there to get their own film or to be a bigger part of the sequel. And yes, the way they set up the Seth and Heather at the end. Well, in all honesty, if this is the they're only dating film... now, right? Like that that'll have to be your boyfriend, bro. You're both vampire good guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if this is the if this is it, I mean I don't think it will be, but if this was it, you're not sat there going, Oh, well, clearly the rest of this story's gonna happen in another film. Right. Because someone actually said, like, there's a vampire that uh, Carla Souza's character says in the film, like, they reference this bigger vampire than her, but he never actually gets any screen presence. So, again, right. Something that the most person would probably didn't even hear or, like, will just, like, put away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you've, you've got multiple options for antagonists. You've got dozens of options for where to take the characters like in in my opinion the world is this film's oyster and really it it's wherever the writers and the director wants to go assuming i i imagine it would be the same writers given that i think that this was an entirely original idea from them which is tyler tyson shay hatton but right. as long as they get jj perry back to direct uh I'll be on board with whatever they do. And, like, I could see... So, this movie's funny already. Like, I could see, like, later films having, like, you know, like, cameos of, like, other actors. Like, you know what I mean? Just as they do in certain films now, like, just to be stupid and funny, you know what I mean? Because Hollywood, like, you know, make jokes of themselves type stuff. I like it. I would definitely take another one. 
I could I could genuinely see that happening as well. I another film that I watched around the same time I watched Day Shift was Bullet Train. Oh, so good. I, I love that movie. <laughs> and and the thing is uh, is the funniest well, some of the funniest scenes were by the cameos. Yeah. Like I did not know and I'm really sorry for anyone who has seen this. I won't spoil the scenes, but uh Mac will understand this. The scenes where Channing Tatum showed up, I was yes. in stitches. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, yo, Bullet Train, I thought was a really, really good movie. If you haven't seen it, the people listening go see it. Yeah, I mean, originally I was going to do an episode on it, but I've, I've, I did enjoy it as a film, but I don't necessarily think, I think you'll enjoy it more if you don't think of it as an action film, would be my advice. I've heard a few people say the same thing, and I can. I thought of it, so I I went into it as like a like a mental like thriller. So like I like movies a lot, like uh, the first Mission Impossible, because Mm. it was such a good mental uh, mind fuckery, and I like movies like that. So I knew it was gonna have like obviously assassins killing Bang Bang. You could obviously tell from the like the um, the poster. In the trailer, but I knew there was also going to be like some type of like mystery involved. I think for me, it it felt like there was a Tarantino esque script, yeah, fighting against a big Hollywood blockbuster movies mm-hmm. influence to be big spectacle, and I didn't realize uh, that it was based on a book. And oh, um, I didn't know that either. No, well. Mike, you know, our friend from Action for Everyone, yes, has yes, actually yes. read the book, and he basically confirmed what I suspected, which is that the mind game stuff, the Tarantino-esque dialogue, and all of that jazz is in the book. But right. most of the action stuff and the over-the-top stuff is not. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to track the book down and give it a read, because there's yeah. a couple of other things that I won't say because it gives away some spoilers, but... Just reading the blurb of the book, it's very different from the film. <laughs> okay. I might have to check that out myself. Uh, but as for Day Shift, I think it's a safe bet that we are both recommending people check this out. If oh, you for sure. 100%. Forget the ratings that you see on IMDb. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I get it. Yo, if I'm not going to give this a 10, I would definitely give it an 8. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good movie. The other, the other thing I quickly wanted to say as well is we've talked a lot about the hand-to-hand action, the shooting action, but something that happens midway through, which actually in retrospect, going back to our budget talk, I'd completely forgotten about, which is also where some of the budget definitely would have gone, is there is a really good car chase sequence in the middle of the film. Yeah. And yeah. I... I love films that can give you everything, like you, you kept saying it, um, that this film gives you everything, but it, it genuinely does. Like, if you like car chases, explosions, over the topness. And I'm a car guy. I can't believe I forgot that because that scene was dope too with his daughter and the iPad. Like that whole, like that whole sequence was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it has, it, he, he fights people on motorbikes. He fights other dudes on cars. And like you said, his daughter is in the car and they kind of make it comedic as well because she's somehow completely unaware that all this is happening because he has her on the iPad. And then eventually she notices that it's the funniest thing because she starts helping him like, Dad, there's two over there. (laughs) 
Yo, just a little the the chemistry even between him and the um his daughter I enjoyed early in the uh movie when he was late. She was like, Oh, we're gonna go get Froyo and stuff. And he was like, Ah, oh, nah, man, we're already late. Your mom's gonna be mad. She's like, Whose fault is that? And he's like, You know, yours. You do make a valid point. And then they go get yogurt. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the actress that played their daughter Paige, I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly as Zion Broadnax. And if I'm saying yeah. it wrong, I apologize. But yeah, she, she was really good in this film. Like, I really enjoyed her. Kids are, difficult to get right in think so. film and i think that they got this they got that character a hundred percent likable which is half the battle with kid characters in films yeah so yeah uh, another quick shout out uh something that i only recently discovered there's a show on youtube called punch for punch and it's got some of the guys from corridor crew and they actually did a challenge based on this film to recreate some of the car stunts. And they were talking about how they did it. And because they had some of the, the, the people that did it. And right. if you're into the car stunts, if you I like your cars, know. then I would definitely recommend to check that yeah, out. I'll definitely check that out when I get off the hill, probably. <laughs> I'll send it to you. And right. uh, if uh, in general, like people who listen to this show, if like me, you'd never heard of it. Go check it out on YouTube because they they've only got two episodes so far, but it looks like they're going to keep doing stuff like that. And it's all about action and effects and tr trying to give you behind the scenes stuff. And uh, and if you're interested in our show, then yeah, you should definitely go and check them out. It, it looked like it's gonna it could definitely be something really cool as time goes on. I think that about does it. Uh, this is a relatively short episode for this show, but it's nice to have a short one given that. I think when this gets uploaded, you will have had literally three in a row that are well over two hours. So hats off to Mac for giving us a short <laughs> Yo, episode. I got, I got you, audience. Gotta get a break sometimes. <laughs> but thanks once again to Mac. This will not be, if he's happy, the last time that you hear him. I'm sure we can get him oh, on yeah, some man, other stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Yo, listen. My DMs are always open. Nah, I mean, not to the audience. I mean, I'm a married man, so stop it. But for you, yeah, you can hit me up whenever. Yeah, do do not slide into Max DMs. He will <laughs> I mean, get unless you're coming in with some, like, car stuff and anime, then, like, maybe. But preferably males. No females, please. <laughs> and on that bombshell, I shall <laughs> hand you back over to myself <laughs> of the future and uh, tell you what's happening next. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. You've reached the end. We have concluded our talk on Day Shift. Thank you once again for Mac for joining us. It was a great conversation. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And it was just really nice to chat with someone. And we, we did go off topic a little bit more than I realized when I came back and edited this. But I think it's pretty obvious that we both really enjoyed Day Shift. I think it's a huge success. And I really, really hope that it does well enough for more to happen with that universe. I very much want to revisit it. And Mac will definitely be coming back to talk other movies with me. As I said in the episode, I want this show to be for everybody, not just for film or action geeks, nerds, enthusiasts, whatever you want to call yourself. I am very much aware that it's very easy to just go down the path of getting further and further engrossed and entrenched in the thing that you like, getting more and more familiar with it, and then before you know it, 
the only other people that can listen to you, that can converse with you, are people who've been down that road themselves. And whilst that's great and fun, and I, and I don't have an issue with that, it also kind of alienates people that maybe are unfamiliar with it. And that is something that I'm trying very hard not to do. Uh, I know some of my in-real-life friends really liked the earlier episodes because they could kind of follow along, and then once we started deep-diving into the weeds of action cinema, they've kind of left those episodes. <laughs> Maybe they'll give it a go in the future, but I know that this episode in particular they were really excited for because it's something that they'd actually seen. Uh, so if you guys are listening, I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, there will be a balance going forward. Uh, like I said, there's always going to try and be a balance. Maybe one week we'll do a Netflix film or a theatrical release or a 1980s classic. Uh, but then on another week, we might do something that is uh, very niche, perhaps isn't as known or perhaps it hasn't become widely as seen yet. But either way, I hope that some of you will just enjoy the ride of jumping between the well-knowns, the things you've never heard of, or the different countries, the different eras, whatever it might be. Like I said, I personally had never really even seen an Indian action film before starting the show, and now I'm at that point where I'm going to start doing stuff without Matt and covering them on my own. There's always going to be a whole host of direct-to-DVD, direct-to-video, direct-to-streaming stuff to cover, and that isn't really uh, a standard anymore. You can't really look at something and go, oh, it's direct to streaming. Oh, it's direct to DVD and, and make assumptions about the quality because this film is direct to streaming and it's got a budget of 100 million. All of that stuff has kind of gone out the water. Yes, you could still argue that direct to DVD has a, an expectation of what that means. But I think in 2022 and going forward, that is going to disappear. And naturally, we've still got plenty of uh, Hong Kong classics to cover. We've got Korean cinema, we've got Indonesian cinema, we've got a lot of interesting things that have kind of come out whilst I've been away. Uh, I keep hearing about this uh, film that went out on Shudder, which I want to go and check out. Whether or not I'll do an episode will depend on whether or not I vibe with the film. But there's a lot of interesting stuff happening, and I think the face of cinema... And the face of films is going to continue to evolve and change. There's always going to be those big tentpole movies that you're going to go to the cinema for that's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And I am more than happy to keep covering them. But I'm also going to keep covering the stuff that maybe not everybody's heard of or maybe not everybody even likes. Because, you know, Mike and I covered Hydra as one of the earliest episodes and I wasn't really sure what to make of it and I really enjoyed talking to him about it to try and ground my thoughts and it was a great experience and it's not one of the most listened to episodes but genuinely if you're a fan of just listening to us discuss film that's a great one and there's a few other films that are out on the high R service that I'm sure are gonna have me just as like oh I'm not sure what to think about this and I'm looking forward to, to doing some more episodes on stuff like that. I know there was a film a while back hyped called Baby Assassins that uh, I will eventually sit down and watch because it's one that I really like the look of, but it's not one that I think many people have resonated with as well as they'd hoped. But I have the advantage of watching it after all the hype has died and not going into it with those expectations and not really have paid attention to what people have said about it. So 
I'm always going to try and do that um, to try and give everybody an impartial view, or at least what I think, rather than just regurgitating what other people have already said. Sometimes that is going to happen because my thoughts are just going to be the same as everyone else's, you know? Yeah, trying to be an individual for individualism's sake is just as bad as running with the crowd to be the cool kid. So, yeah, it's one of those things. I try not to think about it, but I also try to keep it in the back of my mind. Everybody can have a good time with this show, and that is kind of the mantra. Like, sometimes we'll go heavy, sometimes we'll keep it light, but we'll always try to have something for everyone. If there hasn't been something for you for a few episodes, there probably will be something coming up in the future. But either way, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I will see you very shortly, because, like I said, this bonus episode, I'm pretty sure it is going to be not too far behind this one. Maybe a day, maybe two. I don't know exactly when it's going to drop currently. But either way, keep your eyes peeled. I'll see you then. Take care of yourselves, and I will see you all in the next one. On the action at its podcast.